You're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly gimme radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. So as I mentioned, it's a debut record by Ozzy Osbourne, who, as everyone knows, is the former Black Sabbath singer who was discharged from the band in 1979. The record came out September 20th, 1980. Recorded March 22nd through April 19th in 1980 at Ridge Farm Studios, Rusper, UK. The record is 39 minutes and 31 seconds. Another short, another typically short record. Yeah. You know, by under, today's standards, at least. Under 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, Ozzy thought once he got thrown out of Sabbath that his career was over. Yeah, and uh, he was resigning himself to the fact that he was going to have to like get a job back at the uh, steel mill or wherever the hell he worked, <laughs> you know, or robbing liquor stores or whatever he did prior to being in Black Sabbath. Um, I don't. I, I wasn't sure. One of the things, like the holes I have in the research I did for this, is I wasn't sure how he came together. Yeah, that, that's kind of shrouded Rose. in mystery because there was a actually there was a lot of different. Um, you know, incarnations, different personnel involved in making this first record and the writing of it. And right. there were different options of people who were going to be in the band. At one point, Gary Moore was slated to be guitarist. At another point, George Lynch from Dockin was supposed to be in the band. <laughs> right. And uh, But yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, production, the record, uh, the recording production was started by Chris Sanarides, who is known as uh, in the heavy metal world for doing records by Thin Lizzy, Judas Priest, and uh, Halloween, among others. And uh, Max Norman was the assistant engineer on this project. But the band didn't like what Chris was doing, so he was fired. Right. And then Norman stepped up and completed the production job, and he was never actually credited (laughs) for this. Uh, but then he went on to produce all the Ozzy records up until The Ultimate Sin, which he did not do. Right, and the the fact that he wasn't credited on uh, Blizzard of Oz, which I'm not sure if he was credited on any of the records. I assume he was on the other ones he did for yeah, Ozzy. Yeah, he was credited on those records, just not on this one. It might have had to do with just the, you know, the, the nature of, of him, uh, you know, stepping in and... You know, maybe he didn't have as big a name as the other guy because the other guy's resume included, you know, notable bands. Right, right. Well, and, it just it's funny to me though, just reading that because like you know, as we'll get into a little bit later, it, it's like the beginning of people not getting credited <laughs> where they deserve on this record, which is a whole story into itself. Yeah, that's that was definitely a trend of people not getting paid, not getting credited, um, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, so on this recording, now now this is an interesting point too because if you have the album and you look at the band photo, there are different guys in the band photo that are actually on the record. Well, I don't know. I That's not necessarily true. Okay. I think what you're thinking of is the band photo on Diary of a Madman. Oh, shit. Maybe you're right. Because there is no band photo on Blizzard of Oz. Oh, fuck. Okay. There's the cover photo and the back photo is a oh. live photo, which... Randy Rhodes yeah, but, is in. I and that's Rudy Sarzo. Right. Yeah. So you can't tell us playing drums, but yeah. it's Tommy Aldridge. If that's Rudy Sarzo, well, then that's Tommy well, that, Aldridge well, playing drums. Yeah, that, this is kind of 
validating what I was saying though a, li- a little bit. And I and I didn't. I was I I would. You were right, Randy. I was thinking about something completely different. I think you were thinking about the photo I'm about to show you. Yeah. From because I happen to have a copy of just Dynamite. handy, just laying around. Yeah. Oh yeah. I always keep this on the table. <laughs> My copy of Diary of a Madman. Is that the photo you're yeah. thinking of? But that's the same band that toured for Blizzard of Oz. Right. Yeah. But and that and that features uh, Ozzy, Randy Rhodes, Rudy Sarzo, and Tommy Aldridge. Right. But the lineup that recorded both these records is totally uh, different guys. Different guys. Yeah. So the lineup uh, I recorded the record was Ozzy on vocals and you know harmony vocals, <laughs> Randy Rhodes, guitars, Bob Daisley bass, backing vocals and gongs, <laughs> Lee Kerslake drums, percussion, tubular bells and timpani, and Don Airy on keyboards. Okay, now that as far as I know, that was not the touring band when Blizzard of Oz came out. But I believe Kerslake did perform with the band at the Reading Festival. I think both of them did. What? Both? I think Daisley and Kerslake both performed live dates. Okay. But were later fired, and the touring band was Tommy Aldridge and uh, Rudy Sarzo. Yeah. Probably one of the most significant things about this record is that it introduced the genius, guitar genius, Randy Rhodes, to the greater world. Because, yeah. uh, you know, prior to his involvement with Ozzy, he was in Quiet Riot, which was well-known in Hollywood and Japan because their, <laughs> their, <laughs> their, their records were released in Japan. And, you know, like typical, I think, to a lot of bands in that, uh, era, that era of music, there was a big uh, heavy metal market in, in Japan because there was that Y&T song, uh, Midnight in Tokyo. And there's always references to Japan, I think, in the late 70s and early 80s in heavy metal music. When I think of heavy metal from Japan, I think of loudness. Yeah, there was, there was loudness, you know. You know, there was like a lot, of, you know, Drew's Priest unleashing the East, mm-hmm. you know. There was uh, like Deep Purple and Rainbow, I think. Made in Japan. Yeah, you know, Made in Japan. Yep. You know, there was all these like live records that were, you know, featured in Japan. And I think that uh, the fact that the Quiet Riot records had releases in Japan and they were well known there as well as, LA. <laughs> yeah, which is funny. And that was before Quiet Riot kind of broke in the States. Well, I mean, the, ob- the obvious uh, argument to make is that they broke because of Randy Rhodes' success in Ozzy, really, if you think about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, because one of the things that I remember reading about when um, Quiet Riot came out, because I, I really like, you know, I remember when, when um, Metal Health came out being like, oh, yeah, Randy Rhodes was in this band, you know? And- I didn't even know that back then. You know, I'm I'm old, dude. Like I, I'm yeah. I'm we've covered few, that. Few, we've covered my age. You know, like <laughs> my my uh, old age has been talked about several times on this podcast. You're and, not that much older, though. but but I I, I think um, I think we also talked about how I was much more into heavy metal maybe than you might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's definitely. I I didn't really get into punk or hardcore until after being well entrenched in the heavy metal world. Right. So when I was a kid, I was like way up on reading Hit Parader and you know all that kind of shit. And um, so I remember when the Quiet Riot Metal Health record came out, being like, "Oh yeah, this is Randy Rhodes's band. So maybe he's on this record." So I, I buy the record, and 
Rudy Sarzo played on that record. And I was, in my mind, I was like, because I remember I recognized him from the photo on Diary of a Madman. And I'm like, is that Randy Rhodes? Rudy Sarzo? <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of thing when you're a young kid, you know. Well, there was a lot of confusion. There's confusion. These, I guess the point I'm trying to make the is lineups there was the- a lot of confusion in the beginning of Ozzy's career with the Blizzard of Oz. Because I'm getting off into the weeds on this thing, right? No, now. it's okay though. And like you know, uh, I mean, just to back up even a little further, the confusion. It was not supposed to be called Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz. There was supposed the band was supposed to be, the Blizzard of Oz. Yeah, it was supposed to be a band. It wasn't supposed to be billed as like a solo effort. Yeah, that you know, and then and even, yeah, because that that's that's true. And then I guess at the Reading Festival, the record, the uh, the band was billed as Ozzy Osbourne's new band. Right, and they spelt Ozzy with different. two S's. Right, right, <laughs> right. For some reason, you know. And then, uh, but then that was kind of the beginning of like the 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 rebranding of the band, if you will, as the Ozzy Osbourne band. Right, which know? apparently led to some some inner turmoil. Yeah, you know, apparently uh, the members weren't too excited about that because I guess it was sold to them as being a band. Right. And, um, you know, I guess we we can talk about the original writing of it. But before we get into that, uh, you know, Randy obviously was a huge contributor to writing. In my opinion, I think he probably wrote all these songs, really. You know. Yeah, I mean, they say that the three of those guys all had a pretty heavy hand in writing. But, I mean, I think most people... Popular opinion is that Randy Rhodes probably did most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, as far as like songs, like riffs writing, riff writing. Right. You know, I'm sure like the arrangements probably were done collaboratively. Yeah. But, you know, you know that the riffs, Randy Rhodes wrote those. Yeah, and it's interesting when they were talking about first getting together, you know, kicking around, um, they had one of Ozzy's childhood friends, Barry Screnge, (laughs) playing drums. But it's noted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that he was never a possibility to be in the band. I wonder if you asked him what he thought about that, if he would agree. I guarantee you Mr. <laughs> Scrench <laughs> would probably be like, well, fuck, I thought I was getting in the band, you know? But they're like, nah, nah, you know, we He's never like, wanted this guy in the band. You know, I quit my job at the mill, you know, so I could join this band, and they fucking tell me that I'm not in. <clears throat> right, and then uh, after him, there was a second drummer who, you know, we were discussing earlier. Um Dixie Lee from the band Lone Star. <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. In- interesting uh, guy from England. A Welshman, apparently. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which was interesting. I'm not familiar with Lone Star, but it, I mean, Dixie Lee sounds like a dude who played a buzz oven or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like he'd be yeah. in like one of those bands from like, you know, like Savannah, Georgia or something. You know? You're saying that might not be his real name? I'm not saying it, I'm, I'm not saying it is, and I'm not saying it isn't. <laughs> I'm just saying that it well, sounds like this. Right. And then eventually they end up with uh, Lee Kirkslake, who was the ex Uriah Heap drummer. See, that's one of the things I think that's really, really cool about some of this, you know, research being done on these like formations of these bands. Cause it's like how, how much crossover there is with all these different, like, you know, yeah. one guy with this dude used to be in Uriah Heap, which is like, they're a great band, you know, great really band. cool, interesting band. And like, that there's like a family tree for Ozzy that includes Uriah Heep. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I love Uriah Heep. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I was saying, like, you know, 
Gary Moore was a guy they talked about on guitar yep. and, and uh, you know, George Lynch, you know, Gary Moore. George Lynch, as much as, like, like I can't really 100% back docking as a band. Nah, me neither. You know, but George Lynch is a pretty insane guitarist, though. Oh, yeah. I, I do like the Dream Warriors track. No, there's, there's certain yeah, songs, like, like I, I like certain docking tracks, but I'm not into, I'm just not into that kind of stuff. Really. I had a friend back, the, one, the dude that got me into like hardcore and a lot of early metal and stuff, like he loved docking, man. I couldn't understand it back yeah. then, you know, like it was weird. Like you go from listening to like, you know, negative approach, you'd be like, yeah, docking, it's good, man. My God, I just thought it was like hair metal shit back then. I wasn't into it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we probably talked about this a bunch of times about like, there are certain bands that were on that cusp, like Wasp. Love Wasp. Me too. Right? First two records especially. First two records yeah. by Wasp are great. Docking, I don't like them. Same here. Don't I share love, that opinion. Don't love Docking aside from a handful of songs. Right. You know? And you can see that Wasp and Docking are definitely two different bands. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but the uh, the sort of, like, genesis of, of Ozzy and his re-entry into the hard rock world, you know, coincided with like the rise of a lot of these other bands too. You know, yeah. what I mean, it's like it was 1980. You know, that was like the beginning. That was he had one foot in the 70s, heavy metal, hard rock, like you know, greatness. Right. And his re-entry back into the world of extreme, you know, heavy music or whatever metal was also the dawn of all these hair metal bands. You know? yeah, yeah. And you can even say that that maybe Randy Rhodes was uh, you know, Quiet Riot was also part of that LA, like Hollywood, like Sunset Strip, like uh world. Right. You know, and and um you know, Ozzy's those those first couple I mean the the Randy Rhodes era of the band still had music valid you know, was valid musically. Right. But definitely Someone who was in- interested in that hair metal vibe could right. also appreciate what this band was about. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, you know, this is the first Ozzy quote unquote solo record, not only a year removed from being in Sabbath. To me, this re- take the vocals away, this record sounds nothing like a Sabbath record. Absolutely. Where, like, people will say, Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, those don't sound like Sabbath records mm. either. But those sound more like Sabbath records. If you yeah. take the vocals away, then this sounds this sounds like like almost a not a complete disconnect from Sabbath, but a pretty big departure. Yeah, and also underscores the idea like we talked about this on the on the Sabbath um, Master Reality podcast. How the the vision of the band really was dictated by like uh, Geezer Butler and and, and uh, Tony Iommi and the drumming of Bill Ward, right? Which his drumming style is absolutely nothing like any of the drummers from this era. No, from the era no. of the eighties. No, like he was like a like almost like more like Ginger Baker or something like that. Yeah, jazzy, know, like, man. jazzy with a heavy blues feel to heavy it. Heavy blues, yes. And and these guys were more the the newer crop of drummers were more on this like very they're they're playing drums as a uh, foundation for a primarily vocal oriented thing, you know. Right, and and that's kind of like what separates like. Well, we're going to be, you know, for lack of a better term, hair metal or, you know, cock rock or whatever you want to call it from heavy metal, the more aggressive precursor to it. You know, like, you know, like Sabbath 
and then like new wave of british heavy metal stuff you know like maiden and all that judas yeah. priest were more about like the riffs you know what i mean right and the vocals were prominent but they also but they weren't the main focus but i feel like the newer crop in the 80s was all about vocal hooks and pop it was more like a pop music kind of thing oh definitely man you know yeah but even though that was the case i still felt like randy Rhodes' songwriting was able to kind of straddle the line between like pop sensibilities and songwriting and that level and allowing the vocals to have their space and also had some like really cool riffing in there too sure yeah man i yeah i agree it's uh it definitely works on both sides of the fence there. I mean, it's a metal record, but there are a lot of hooks. Yeah. And a lot, I hate to even use the word, but pop sensibilities. Yeah, totally. The songwriting and stuff, you know. Um, so, you know, back to the songwriting, like, I guess the, the first track written for the album is Goodbye to Romance. Yep. Which is very odd to me. Because <laughs> well, it's like a sore thumb song, kind yeah. of. Like, that, that would be the first... <laughs> like let's get together a jam. I got this song, and it's like this total like downer, like <laughs> slow to mid tempo. Like you know what I mean? You hear like it's like sad. Know, <laughs> it's a, yeah. yeah, it's we hear like I don't know, Crazy Train. They get like all this energy and stuff, and like it's weird that this was the first song that was written. Well, apparently this had to do more with like Ozzy saying goodbye to like the members of Black Sabbath, you know? Because like like we were right. saying earlier, he thought his career was over. He thought this was it, Johnny. You know, this is the end of the game, you know, and and uh, I guess like maybe uh, for him to move on, he had to like close the door on that chapter of his life, you know. Right. And that was his way of doing it, I guess, is through writing this song. It, yeah, it's it makes sense in some ways, but just like musically as like, you know, cause I guess like they want to release the song as like a single and Jet Records, yeah. who they were signed to at the time, they were like, no. We want a new song. So apparently the story behind that is they, the band without Ozzy, who was apparently drunk, passed out under the drum <laughs> riser, had a sound check for a show, wrote the song You Said It All, which did not appear on the album, but appears on a live EP from 1980, which is, I guess, is the only documented version of this song. Wow. It's a great song. I don't know if you've ever heard the song, but... um. I don't know what that that didn't end up coming out as a single, but like they didn't want "Goodbye to Romance" as a single. I mean, that makes complete sense to not want that if you think about, right. you know, Ozzy was in Black Sabbath, like this evil, like heavy metal band, like you know, and they're going to release this like you know weepy, <laughs> you know, ballad right. as their lead off track to the first song from this brand new band. That's yeah, you know, didn't work. You know, no, not at all, man. You know. Um, yeah, it was just uh, that struck me when I was reading that "Goodbye to Romance" was the first song that they got together and wrote. You know, apparently uh, Randy Rhodes, like, though in the beginning when this whole thing was like, you know, okay, this is going to be Ozzy Osbourne, you know, not Blizzard of Oz. Right. The record's going to be called Blizzard of Oz. You know, he he at first he played ball. You know, apparently he was like, well, this is a great opportunity for me, you know, to kind of further my career. So I'm just going to you know deal with it you know what i mean and the other members of the band likewise you know you figure ozzy's a big name you know there's a label a major label that's going to be putting this out they're playing the reading festival you know this is all good but as time went on apparently 
Randy Rhodes was uh, unhappy with not being like more of a prominent member in the band. You know what I mean? Like he was became disgruntled and was also thinking about leaving the band at some point. Yeah, he didn't want to be in a backup band. He wanted to be in a band. Yeah. Now, the sad irony of this is that at posthumously, Randy Rhodes became celebrated. And I think in, in as history, looking back, people will see that, those two records, as Randy Rhodes and Ozzy Osbourne. I agree. Like, I don't think people get it twisted these days. Like, I think as historically people are going to look back and be like, well, yeah, those two records are special, Blizzard of Oz and, and Diary of a Madman, because they featured Randy Rhodes and Ozzy Osbourne, you know, especially guitar players. Like, guitar, you know, these dudes who are, like, you know, into, like, shredding. Shred dudes, yeah. yeah. Shred, shred masters are, are like, gonna, they think of Randy Rhodes as the, the prominent member of the band, really. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that came to proof with like you know the record I'm staring at behind yeah. me. years after the Ozzy Osbourne Randy Rhodes tribute LP that came out. You yeah, know, definitely. Like, um, there's no Ozzy Osbourne Jakey e. Lee tribute LP. No. no, no offense to Jakey e. Lee, I love the records he played on. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, Randy Rhodes was something special, man. It's like you know, a, a lot like Hendrix. It's one of those guitar geniuses we lost way too early. Yeah, you know, it's tragic, man. What happened? You know, and arguably, I mean, I've heard this, this read about this too, like in L.A., like it was like, apparently it was like Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes were the two guitarists. Right. Like they were the guys in the late the 70s in, in, in Hollywood. They were, and, and sadly, you know, Randy was taken from us like way too young, man. And uh, it would be, man, I think back and I'm like, man, what, what could this guy have done? You know, I mean, because he probably would have left Ozzy's band. Yeah, you know, and he would have gone on to do something on his own, and you know who knows what that could have been, right? You know, I like some sometimes I, I you know I'll, I'll hang out and I'll be like you know, what would it be like if Randy Rhodes was alive today? You know what I mean? Like what would he be doing? I always go to the side of probably something that sucks. You know, I don't think so. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. It's just a, the negative streak. I, I, I think that he was one of these like artists. You know, that what I mean? could be. And I don't I don't think that he would have like. Yeah, there might at this stage there might have been like long lulls in activity. Right. You know, I think he all through the eighties and the early nineties, he well, probably through the eighties, he would have been like really active with whatever band that he was yeah, into. Yeah. The nineties would have came along and he would, you know, grunge and Soundgarden and all this other stuff. Maybe not his jam. Right, right. You know, or maybe he would have even modified what he did. Maybe he was like would have grown with like the musical world. You know, maybe he wouldn't have, like, remained this, like, guy with his feet, like, stuck in the late 70s and early 80s. Well, we know we probably missed out on at least one or two killer bands. Like, you know, died in 82. So from, like, 82 to, like, you know, 86, he probably would have started, like, some sick band with, like, you know, Cozy Powell on drums. Yeah, and totally. Ronnie James Dio on vocals. Or, like, yeah. There's, like, this void of, like, at least one or two awesome heavy metal bands. That Man, imagine didn't, him, didn't Cozy Powell, and Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. Right, you know that would have been like. Can you imagine the, the controversy of <laughs> right. of Randy Rhodes leaving Ozzy's band to play in Dio? Yeah, when there's a, they're already it? at war with one another, kind of. But I mean that that could have happened. Though. Sure, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You like, know, Ronnie would have been like, you know, something. Let's do a band where we're equal. Because I feel like Ronnie Dio didn't have as big of an ego as like Ozzy did. Right, or was it was it coming from Ozzy, or was it coming from? 
Actually, you're probably right the about that. The woman behind Ozzy. Yeah, like you're probably right about that because I feel like Ozzy probably didn't give a fuck whether or not they could have called the band whatever. I feel know? like a lot of times maybe Ozzy didn't even know like what day it was, so, you know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> man. That's, that's actually, you're probably really tr- really right about that, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I often marvel at like what could have happened with Randy Rose's career, you know. Yeah, it's a tragedy, man. It wasn't even like, you know, the usual story, like, Drugs, whatever. No. Apparently, he was kind of a straight guy. Like, yeah. he didn't really fuck around with drugs. Yeah. Unlike, you know. He probably would have got there, but uh, you know, maybe he, not. I like to think that you he would have hung in there, you know. Yeah, but, you know, you were saying, like, you know, the, uh, there was a lot of quotes from Kerslake, the drummer, that, you know, eventually, Kerslake and Daisley left the band, were fired, however you want to look at it. And, like, Randy Rhodes was very upset by this. It was like... I'm I'm leaving too. I'm leaving too. And yeah. Kerslake was like, "You're crazy. Yeah, don't leave. Like, this is you know you you you're the position you need to be in." And he kind of talked him out of leaving. He wanted to go with those guys and start a new band. Wow. And they talked to him. Kerslake says they talked to him to stay with Ozzy because it'd be better for his career. Which is, you know, I guess in a way a good move. But also, had right. he left with those guys, he might still be alive. Yep. Maybe. You know, or maybe the universe was just like, this guy's too good for this world. Yeah. He's got to take him out somehow. Got to love the universe. Maybe he would have been like stabbed <laughs> to death in an alley somewhere if he went with those guys. Right. I mean, uh, it escapes me what those guys went on to do after that. Well, uh, I don't know. Which is a shame because I got to say, that rhythm section on uh, Blizzard of Oz and Diver of a Madman is just on fire. On fire, man. You know what's even more insane is that Rudy Sarzo, to my knowledge, never played on any Ozzy records. Rudy was always the, the the live bass player. Right. Even though his photo appears on Diary of a Madman, yeah. it did not play on the record. You know, and, and Tommy Aldridge is no slouch either from, you no. know, ex-Black Oak, Arkansas, you know. Right. A band and, uh, of love. Wasn't uh, Daisley, wasn't he in Rainbow too? I don't remember. I know Don Ari, keyboard player, was in Rainbow. For a while, uh, you know the the mastermind behind the intro to Mister Crowley. Yeah. He he was in Rainbow, and he also played a uh, Sabbath record, Never Say Die. The oh, okay, final, the final record. Oh, so with he's, Ozzy. he's part of like the you know continuum and of like stuff. Currently is in Deep Purple. He took over for John Lord after he died. Oh man, because well, I seen cool. Deep Purple back in October, and he was playing keys. He's still playing live gigs. Right on, man. And he was awesome. Yeah, dude. I mean, stepping in for John Lord is no easy task, man. You know what's even more insane, just to go on a quick tangent, is that you know pe- people uh, they talk about White Snake. You know what I mean? Do you know the original White Snake basically was like ex members of Deep Purple? No, I don't. But yeah. I know their early stuff is vastly different. I'm a fan of their early music. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, slowly going back and checking out yeah. the early stuff. It's basically Deep Purple with different with a different guitar player. You know what I mean? And, right. And it's like, you know, there was like, which is crazy to think about because that um, when they became successful financially, you know, commercially successful with the record, the self-titled Whitesnake album. Yeah. They actually had like, I think at least three other albums prior to that. I think there's been even more. I, I'm saying at least because yeah. I only know of like three or four maybe. Yeah. You know, and then there's like the, the, the great live album by them. Uh, live in the heart of ain't no love in the heart of the city <laughs> that's a great title it's live and it's awesome yeah and then 
and there are other records like you know there's like fool for your loving i think there's slide it in there's like a bunch slide of other in, yeah. other great albums that are like heavy blues rock albums yeah which it's funny because there's a there's a handful of bands like that man that like their later catalog is what i knew of yeah i didn't like def leppard yeah right on, on through the night and high and dryer insanely great, great album i i even like a little bit of pyromania yeah i got a fuck with that right yeah, yeah but like after that forget it man i'm not interested and another one is Motley Crue, man. I love the first two Motley Crue records, but, you know, Theater of Pain and on, I can't handle yeah. that. There's one song on Theater of Pain. I, I will I like. reluctantly concede that the first two Crue albums are good. You know, it's like... Yeah, they're fun, man. They, they are. But I, I... And I've talked about this before, too. I remember when, when, when uh, Looks to Kill came out. Yeah. I remember hearing it on the radio, and at that point, I, I was into punk rock. Right. And I was like, man... If this record come out a year earlier, I would have been all about it. <laughs> this now, is this is where me being a few years younger. Yeah, totally. This man. is a perfect example yep. of that because I wasn't into punk rock yet. Yeah, I was on my way a few years down the road. But when the Shout Out the Devil came out, man, I was like Ozzy was my shit. Yeah, it's and perfect. I remember, for they that toured thing. together. Yep. And I was too young to go though. Yeah, I yeah, I, I didn't see any of that shit. I was too young no. as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't like you know, girls, girls, girls. Not into that theater of pain. I like the song "Save Our Souls" from the Demon soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, that's man. sick. Yeah, but that's the only song in theater of pain I like. Demon soundtrack is great, man. It's yeah. got like fields of the nephilim and the culture yeah. in it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But uh, but I remember when girls, girls, girls. I was like, oh, so now you guys are bikers. You all got like tattoos at the same time, and yeah, right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. bunch of phonies. Man. Another band. Uh, scorpions oh man i mean Dude. i only knew when i was younger i only knew of the scorpions as like you know winds of change and i did still pretty good yeah, it's cool but like you know the early shit, without man. the context of the earlier stuff that song yeah. doesn't really stand up i guess no, no yeah virgin killer fly yeah, to the man. rainbow the yuli roth stuff yeah those, yeah, those are records are some of my favorites now i didn't even know they existed back then see those are kids if you <laughs> Only know of the 80s version of the Scorpions. Go check out the early catalog with Yuli John Roth. Yeah. And if you guys had listened to um, my episode I did with Jeremy Sosville from uh, from Black Anvil, we talk about that era of the band as well. So check that out too. We go into a bunch of Yuli John Roth love in that episode. So Great. Anyway. <laughs> now back to uh, Ozzy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that, uh Crazy Train. What was what was the actual first the first single to come out was um, on this record was uh, mm. all right. I know that Crazy Train and Mr. Crowley were released as singles in 1980. I think Crazy Train was first. Yeah, Crazy Train. Crazy Train peaked at number nine on the Billboard in January, and uh, and the song went platinum in 2009. It seems like it would be platinum way before that, but it didn't. I it's guess weird. you know what happened. There was that video that came out, like the like VHS home yeah. video thing. Yeah, and I think that's why it went, went platinum. But uh, the record, the Ozzy Blizzard of Oz, in twenty nineteen, it went five whatever five is, five times platinum, five <laughs> times over platinum. <laughs> Crazy. So yeah, it's it's still selling apparently, and that's yeah. maybe why these numbers are coming up late in the game. You know. Now, there's the uh, controversial tw- 2002 reissue, Oof. which is like... Now, let me ask you a question. 
If you go on to Apple Music or iTunes and you download this record, what version of the record are you are you downloading? Do you know? Well, I'll tell you right now. Okay. Because I looked into this today to make sure Excellent. I didn't have these bullshit yeah. reissue, which I'm not even sure are uh, in circulation, like on Spotify, Apple Music. So the, the reissues are not? Oh, I only have Apple Music, so I'm not okay. saying they're they're not on Spotify or whatever. I couldn't find them on Apple Music. The one, the two I have are the they're the legit ones. Okay, but ori- I guess originally, I mean, you want the story of these? Yeah, so yeah, before yeah, we're jumping ahead of the game. So, so um, in 1986, Daisley and Kersley sued Osborne, the Osborne Corporation, if you will, Osborne Inc. Yeah, for unpaid royalties. Eventually winning credits for the songwriting on Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Okay. In 20, 2002, the reissue was made of these albums, and Daisley and Kerslake's tracks were replaced. And uh, they were re-recorded by the guys that were in the band, which was Mike Borden of uh, Faith No More. Faith No More. And Robert Trujillo, who is now in Metallica, <laughs> but also was in, you know, Infectious Grooves and uh you know, all these other bands, which is fucked up, man. It's beyond fucked up, man. Like, this is like, this makes me just angry. Yeah. Like, it makes me fucking angry. It's, it's just so it's, angry. it's so vindictive and evil, and that's the thing I hate about just it. Just to not pay these guys. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, even, even to go deeper into the story, these things came out as CD reissues in 2002. And the original, although this will be debated by Sharon Osbourne, the original, when these came out, they did not have a sticker on the front that said what you were getting was, in fact, not the original recordings remastered. But these other guys, well, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about either one of these guys, but they're not the original guy. I mean, you're it's under the guise that yeah. you're getting tricked into buying these things um, that these guys played on. And you're not, you know, and then I guess because there was a backlash. They eventually put a sticker on these that indicated what the deal was. You know, and it also, it sucks, too, because it's like, it's shady, number one. But also, it kind of throws shade on Mike Borden and Robert Trujillo. You know, like, puts these guys in a, I mean, they were in the band at the time. Right. And, I, I you know, it's, uh, probably being in Ozzy's band is a lot different than being in, like, any of the bands that you and I play in, where it's like. I don't think so. <laughs> where, you know. <laughs> If you don't want to do something, you just don't do it. You know what I mean? But like, you know, these this is how these guys make a living. You know, this is their job to be in Ozzy's band. So if like the general manager comes down and says, all right, look, gents, get your ass in that studio and re-record these songs. You're marching in. And she says, by the way, jump. You probably say, well, how high, Sharon? Well, that's you know? the thing. You just referred to it as Ozzy's band. And I really believe by that point it was wasn't Ozzy's band. Well, it's know, Sharon's band. Yeah, it was like the powers that be, and and for like you know lack of a better term, using Ozzy's band. But like, but yeah, you know, you get directions from the general to do something, you probably do it. Otherwise, you're like, well, we'll find a replacement who will. Right tomorrow. You know? and it's like, like, and it sucks to put someone in a position like that. 
I mean, I don't know what their take is on any of this stuff, but it's like it sucks to put someone in that no-win situation. Uh, yeah, no, dude, I got to do a lot of shit at work. I don't want to do either. Yeah, man, totally. You know, and their work was playing in the band. And you know, the thing is too, there's all kinds of like tomfoolery going on around this, like what happened and what. You know, originally Sharon said it was Ozzy's idea, and then in Ozzy's 2009 autobiography, he says it was Sharon's idea. And he had nothing to do with it. Well, actually, she also responds to that too. Yeah, it's like it's. She says that actually, it. Sharon says that it was Ozzy's idea to do that because of Daisley and Kerslake's abusive <laughs> and unjust behavior. Right. That's why they were removed from the recordings. But then he says, not only did it was her idea, she had this done without his knowledge. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> right? Can you imagine? Like, in, then you recorded a Tombs record, you know, and then like. Your manager goes in and has the rhythm section like completely replaced by people, but you don't know about it, <laughs> dude. I know. Like, what planet are we living on, man? This it's so fucking insane. I mean, who knows what's true and what's not true? Well, the worst part about it, it's not even like necessarily uh, for the better of the of the recording. It's all it's about money, money and ego, and that sucks. You know. Well, the fans, the fans of this music of these records. We're in an uproar about this. So it did get rectified. There was 30th anniversary versions of these two records, and they are the original, mastered from the original recordings with the original performers on it. So, you know, it should be like, all those 2002 reissues should be destroyed. (laughs) But uh, it was rectified down the road, you know, which, you know, was more money to be made. In 2003, Daisley and Kerslake's lawsuit was dismissed by the United States District Court in Los Angeles. <laughs> That's fucking insane, right? Yeah, completely. The dismissal was upheld by the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. The Dude. Ninth Circle of... <laughs> <laughs> Gives you a lot of faith in the legal system, I know, right? doesn't it? Uh, and on, uh, Ozzy, Ozzy stated on the Pulse Radio, reiterating a conversation with Sharon, you know what? Whatever the circumstances were, I want the original thing back. So the 30th anniversary release of Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman contains the original recordings, not the 2002 reissues. So in other words, whichever you fucking fools that went out and blindly bought these reissues, not knowing you're getting phony fucking bullshit, we're going to do you a favor. We're going to reissue them again. So you can go spend another fucking twenty dollars. So by you know by the time it's all said and done on these two records, I've spent like three hundred dollars the course <laughs> of my life. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's fucking shady, man. And, yeah, um, it sucks because like I don't know, man. I feel like just in general, the whole. I mean, there's so many stories and that uh, of, of the alleged behavior of Sharon Osbourne. Right. <laughs> you know, going back with, like, you know, the OzFest thing and, and uh, the whole tour, the OzFest when it was a tour, the OzFest, uh, you know, festival, like, that happens or used to happen regularly. And um, it's just a shame, you know. And, and there's always controversy and, I don't know, it's, well, it's kind of, it's a bummer. While we're on the topic real quick, you know, one of yeah, my, my favorite things is, uh, you know, apparently Sharon was quoted at one point saying – she wasn't happy with the creative input of Rhodes, Daisley, and Kirkslake in the Blizzard of Oz album. That's why she didn't want to share the credit. Then it goes on to say, 
the recording of Blizzard of Oz was one of the best experiences of her life, <laughs> which is great. The only problem is she wasn't there. It's a, <laughs> it's a fact. She was in Los Angeles where they were recording this record, and Ozzy's wife, Thelma, at the time, spent a lot of time in the studio. So it's just like, you know, it's just constant bullshit and lies and, like, it just it reeks of like just all this comes down to like an angle to make a little bit more money with her, and also just like like I said, ego, you know, of like wanting to control and wanting to give yourself credit for shit that you got nothing to do with and all that kind of stuff. And you know, Ozzy himself gives her credit for saving his life, which you know is more important than all this shit. But like, it almost seems like she just like used that. Not the saving his life, but like, you know, he's obviously has struggled with addiction and stuff his whole life, substance abuse. And you just wonder how many of these decisions were he was kind of just taken advantage of and like led down the wrong road for whatever reason. You know, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a bummer because in some ways I feel like <clears throat> Ozzy probably could have benefited from continuing his relationship with Tony Iommi and those guys because of uh I, I somehow don't think Tony Iommi would allow something like this to happen to Black Sabbath. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, definitely. Because, I mean, it seemed to me like Iommi, Butler Award were all pretty pretty sharp and, yeah. like, strong personalities. And totally. Like, you know, like, I agree. Like, they wouldn't let some manager come in and just, like, have all this bullshit happening. Yeah. You know, I, I saw – did you see – have you seen Ozzy recently? I have never seen Ozzy perform live. Really? I thought you went. You were going to go to one of those those shows. Got those... canceled. Oh fuck! Really? Did you have tickets? No, I didn't. No, it got canceled before I bought a ticket. Damn. But you know, I, I don't like Zach Wild. Okay. And I don't like any of the records he played on with Ozzy. Ultimate Sin is my cutoff with Ozzy, man. I don't like No Rest for the Wicked. I don't like anything that I've heard after that. I don't like his approach to a lot of the songs. I know, I mean, listen, the guy's a phenomenal guitar player. Yeah. Not taking that away. I just, I don't need, like, you know, 42 pinch harmonics every, I don't know. Like, so part of me, I looked at the set list, and, like, of course, half of it was cool. Half of it was stuff I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear medleys of, like, crazy babies. I, I don't care. Yeah, the uh, Zach Wild is, uh, you know, obviously a uh, disciple of Randy Rhodes. You know what I mean? And it's it's interesting that Ozzy grabbed a guy like that because I mean, I feel like Jakey e. Lee and the other guitar players that he had over the years were different players, different types of players. Mm -hmm. You know, they they weren't, um, you know, they, they they were different than Randy. I felt, and but Zach Wild was a guy who probably grew up listening to Randy Rhodes. I would guess. You know what I mean? And his style of playing is like much, very much in the same vein, but like a little bit more overindulgent, I think, you know? Yeah, I can never get past that, man. It's like, it's too much. And now, like, he does this thing called Zach Sabbath. And I just read, like, recently, that, like, the, this, to me, this goes down the same territory as, you know, these guys re recording the rhythm section on these two Aussie records. He's going to re record. The self-titled Black Sabbath record. Are you kidding? And, How is he getting away with it? In that? its entirety, with his whoever's in Zach Sabbath. I know, obviously, Zach Wild. I think Joey Castillo might be on drums. I don't know who the other two guys are, or other guy is, or whatever. But they're wow. going to re-record 
the whole self-titled Black Sabbath record. So that really bums me out. I hope he gave Tony Iommi a big envelope full of money for that, though. Man. Yeah. That's insane. I'm just not a Zach Wild fan. So I was on the fence about going anyway, but I'm like, you know what? I've never seen Ozzy solo. You know, yeah. I should probably go. I only saw him that one time at the last Ozfest when Tombs played Ozfest meets Notfest. Was that like four uh, years ago? Three years ago? That was like two years ago. Oh, maybe so. two and a half. Okay. Like so it was recent. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. And like, I, it, it was, uh, there was two guitar players, a rhythm player, so that Zach Wilde can go off harder on solos. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, I got to say, man, it was pretty bad. See, that was my fear, too. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, his voice was shot. Yeah. He looked pretty shot. Like, they, they, they made the mistake of, uh, like, doing those, like, LED screens, like, close up on his face during a couple songs, and his eyes were just, like. Not happening. He just wasn't even present, man. You know? Yeah, it's 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 sad. I mean, I, honestly, I, I even hate to say this, but I can't believe he's still alive. You know, um, I know that's a, that's actually a good point. You know, yeah, and it's a bummer to say that, but yeah, yeah, I, he's back out touring again though. After canceling, I think a whole year of shows last year. Wow, he's back out again this year, supposedly. Damn, what happens. I'll probably not go. Uh, I don't know, man. It's like I. I I probably won't go either, to be honest with you. <laughs> and, and more, more so, it's more so for me, like the Zach Wild thing. Yeah, like, I don't mean to keep hammering on Zach Wild. That guy's talented, but uh, I don't know if it was like some like even unknown guy, or even better, like Jakey Lee or something. Yeah. I'd be way more interested because I love the Bark at the Moon and Ultimate Sin material. Not as much as Blizzard of Oz, but still solid. You know, I, I gotta say, I, I'm a huge Diary of a Madman fan. Love it. Yeah, those two records. Are, I mean, those two records stand alone is just like, it, it, it would have been cool if like Dire of a Madman and Blizzard of Oz were Blizzard of Oz. Well, I feel like there's, uh, and I don't, I enjoy the whole records. I enjoy all the, the interludes and everything. To me, there is almost enough quote-unquote filler between the two records. If you remove a track or two, you could have made it one perfect record well i mean like if that if those two albums were the were the band oh I, and I then like he I went on you. to do a solo career after that i got you you know what i mean if like that was like the blizzard of oz the blizzard band, of oz was band, those two records was those two records yeah and then because i feel like those two records really are so different from the rest of his career yeah they are know? and and then like after after uh randy passed away, it was you know killed in the accident right then he did a solo career after that yeah that's kind of what it feels like anyway. Like, Yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like to me. If you're like a big fan of this, these records like we are, I think that's how you kind of look at it, you know? like, You know, going back to the name, it's funny because, uh, you know, once again, like um, when I was a kid, there was this, this dude that I knew in, in uh, I was in, I guess, middle school, and his dad owned a uh, T-shirt company, which um, probably – looking back was more of like a bootleg t-shirt company you know like if you like for example like back in the day if you went well it still happens you go to like a big concert you know like black sabbath or acdc or van halen or something like that you know you would get the 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 official merchandise inside the venue or you can get some like you know discounted bootleg (laughs) out in the parking lot 
And this kid's dad, I think, was one of those bootleg guys because, like, he always had he would his son would sell T-shirts to all the kids. And I had I remember I had a Van Halen T-shirt that was like a three-quarter sleeve like baseball jersey. Yeah, that had like this really poorly rendered <laughs> drawing of the band, like a band photo on the cover with like David Lee Roth and everything. He's cranking them out in his kitchen, like yeah, like someone drew like like tried to copy like draw. Right, a band like a, a shot, like a band promo shot, and it looked fucking horrible. But I still ha- I had it, you know. Well, for the record, that is still happening because I when I went to see the Misfits back in October, yeah. at Madison Square Garden. As soon as I walked out the front door, of Madison Square Garden, you know, I was bombarded by dudes trying to sell me the. Uh, I don't know how much they were. I mean, the T-shirts inside were forty-five dollars, so maybe yeah. these are. 15 or 20. I actually got a bootleg Black Sabbath shirt uh, when they when that show we Oh, you did? Yeah. I don't remember seeing the I'm Oh sure no. Oh dude, I was walking to the car, right? And there were these dudes with bags of shirts just like wandering around. Yeah. And there was this guy like walking like on the median with a bag of t-shirts and I bought one from him. And it I was bought, pretty cool. I bought an actual shirt from the Yeah, those they were like that was Boku bucks, man. And the poster right behind you. Actually, I have the poster. That's the that's sick. I did get the one legit merchandise was the poster. Well, the poster was beautiful. It yeah. was like twenty dollars, which I, I thought it was going to be like a hundred. Yeah, me so too. Like twenty dollars. Yeah. yeah, I'll take that. I got the legit poster, but I got the bootleg shirt. Yeah, that's cool though. Yeah. I mean, the shirt's nothing special anyway that I got. But but anyway, this kid, I don't I don't want to mention his name just in case you know he may, might want not want me appreciate me saying his dad was a t-shirt bootlegger. So, <laughs> but um, but anyway. When I re- I remember from him telling me that Ozzy had a new band called Blizzard of Oz. Well, this dude knew his stuff. Man. Well, yeah, probably his dad is like yeah. jacked into like the world of bootleg T-shirts or whatever. Right. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, we got this. You know, he probably got the artwork because he he made a bootleg Blizzard of Oz T-shirt, which I got. I bought from this kid. And it was it was the Blizzard of Oz band. It didn't say Ozzy. Well, it, it was Ozzy. the album cover. Oh, okay. I got you. you. Know? And it's, yeah, it's an Ozzy Osbourne Blizzard of Oz. And my mom was upset because the album cover, you know, she didn't like that. Yeah. My mom being a Roman Catholic and all. You know, <laughs> he's, under- got, he's got like a cross. And just like a I mean, goat, it's, not a, you know? it's not an upside down cross, but there is like the goat, the horns on the floor with but the, the skull. But there's like a, um, cat. a general, uh, you know, there's a black cat. There's a, a, a skull. He's like holding a cross. See, yeah. forever, I didn't know if this was... Because obviously, this is a photograph that's been doctored. Yeah. But this was a photograph. I For years, I really thought it was a painting. Oh, no. So I tried to do a little bit of research on the art for this. Yeah. Which, man, I didn't come up with much, but, except for the photographer's name. What, what was the name? You'll like this name. Finn Costello. Finn Costello, an Irish-Italian. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like me. Maybe... He could be involved in some future Tombs promos. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. If he's still alive, that is. Oh, yeah. He's alive. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very cool, man. I actually like it better than Diary of a Madman. Yeah, this this record cover is moodier. I think it's cool. It's iconic. Yeah. But it's like, uh, it's a photograph. I always thought it was a painting. I never realized it was a photograph. Yeah, I think right off the bat, I thought it was a photo. Yeah. And if you Google... Uh, Blizzard of Oz photo session or something akin to that. You, there's a lot of cool photos from this session. Oh, cool. All right, I'm yeah, do that. That didn't make the cover huh. of the record. But yeah, my mom wasn't having it. She didn't appreciate that. So I, could, I had to like, you know, 
put it in my gym bag and like leave it in my locker. You know, I'd wear it like after wrestling practice or something like that. Still have it? Oh hell no, dude! It's that's disintegrated decades ago. It's too bad. One of these hipster turds would probably yeah. pay you like four hundred dollars for it. But uh, but the um, yeah, she knew she knew because I had a Sabbath T-shirt, so she knew that my the whole devil shit was like within my like. She knew what you were realm. up to. Yeah, so yeah. my mom wasn't wasn't happy about Ozzy's T-shirt. Uh, back in Carmel. Yeah, where you grew up, did you ever go to any kind of fairs? You mean like uh, like with like a like a carnival yeah. type thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, all the time, every summer. Every I had summer. Uh, remember the mirrors. Yeah, yeah, used yeah. To yeah win totally. For like like popping the balloons with yep. the darts. Shit, I had a pretty sick Blizzard of Oz mirror. Still have it? No, nah. But when we were on tour a couple of years ago, when Tombs played Montreal, we went to visit one of your friends up there. Had a mirror. You mean, you mean Sandy? Sandy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Sandy. <laughs> Thanks for the hospitality. She had, it wasn't the cover of Blizzard of Oz, but it was from that uh, time frame. Oh, yeah. And it's like an executioner holding Ozzy's head. That's pretty sick. Yeah, and I, I took a picture of it because I had that too. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, my God, I'd love to find that again. I love all the imagery and art from like the first uh, incarnation of uh, Ozzy's bands. And- yeah, because it's like it's from that that period of time between the seventies and the eighties, like that changeover period. Yeah, you know? and it's like yeah. I got, I had a mirror like that, but it was a Zeppelin one. Nice. I had a Led Zeppelin mirror with like you know the the Zoso like sure. You know, yeah, was, I, I wish I still had. All, I had a bunch of them. I had ZZ Top. I, yeah. I wish I still had those. Does that is does that still exist, man? Like the, the I, you know it's been eons that I've even thought about going to a fair. Oh, dude. They still exist. I hadn't gone since, you know, for years, and I went to one out kind of where I grew up. It's called the Woodstock Fair. Oh, cool. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it was awful. Was awful. That, really? Did, did, did they have anything like no, this? Like, no, no. It was just full of, like, fucking rednecks, and it was awful. I was like, well, how did I enjoy this as a child? But <laughs> when I was a child, there was cooler shit there, man, like Blizzard of Oz mirrors and, like, yeah. I felt like there was all kinds of cool stuff like that, but no, it was nothing. It was just like awful. There's a, there was like a whole. I feel I felt like there was a whole culture around people who worked those things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there was. Yeah, kind of like, like carnies. Yeah, exactly. Because I remember one of my most vivid memories of going to a fair. You know, it was always in the summer, like around Fourth of July or something like that. Like some kid that worked was working one of the rides. He had like a Alice Cooper tour, nineteen seventy five. Yes. And the dude had like a mustache, like long hair. But what I thought was the coolest thing about him is he had like a blonde streak, yeah. like Joe Perry had in that Aerosmith uh, press photo. <laughs> and I was like, man, that guy looks fucking cool. That man. was wild back then. Yeah. yeah well, I got to touch on this real quick. Yeah, I mentioned fairs, but even more importantly, in the culture of seventies and eighties heavy metal, man, the flea market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Do you ever have those? Give oh, yeah, those. yeah, totally. Not so much in Carmel, but I've been to, like, maybe Danbury, I think. There's flea markets. The little, dude, I grew up in, like, a tiny town. Killingly, Connecticut. Yeah, little, killingly. Like, yeah. Killingly. Yeah. I wish it was as cool as it sounded. But trust <laughs> me, it's not. There was this little flea market, like, and there was a vendor in there, and he had always had the coolest shit, dude. He had, like... The black light posters, the tapestries. Oh, remember yeah. The tapestries. Man. Yeah, tapestries are still alive and well, though. He had the painter's hats. Remember those? The flimsy I remember that. hat. And yep. then, like, he had this big thing with buttons and patches, and he would have tons of Aussie shit. So there was a couple of years that I would go, I'd buy, like, 
shirts be it the shirts with the iron-ons on them yeah those are those i used to have a, a yes one like that. <laughs> nice yeah but dude this guy had like a gold mine that. to go back in time you know you know i think that south jersey the they have like a bunch of flea markets south jersey that are like that you can still find cool stuff like that there's a few around here still too i got a buddy of mine uh who lives out in rhode island he goes to the flea markets all the time he find you wouldn't believe the stuff he finds it's crazy yeah any favorite songs on this uh, record? Any hot tracks? <laughs> oh, there's some hot tracks. Yeah. Uh, my favorite song, probably my favorite solo Ozzy song of all his records is Suicide Solution. You know, that's mine too, man. I love it. I like his voice on that song. That's great, dude. Yeah. It's great. I don't uh, like the high vocal Ozzy as much. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, you know, there's the whole, we won't even go, we don't need to go into it, but there's the whole controversy around the song Suicide Solution yeah. and the court case that eventually got dismissed. Yeah. The court did something right for once. Freedom of speech is still almost alive, at least back then. Now, the funny thing about that, the ironic thing is that in this case, you know, it was like the establishment going after the song. Now <laughs> it's like, it's people going after like someone, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. I, it's, I, it has nothing to do with legislation. It's all just like, you know, people trying to like find reflections of their philosophical views and condemning people who don't align with that. You know, you beat the man and then you want to be the man. You know what I mean? It's like, well put. Yeah. yeah we've had a lot of private conversations about yeah. these type of people. We'll, we'll keep those private. Um, and you know, I'm going to give you three suicide solution. Number one, Mr. Crowley, number two and three steal away in parentheses, the night, <laughs> um, I like Suicide Solution. I would say I don't know. Great yeah, song. I just didn't say that because I'm trying to be different. Yeah, you know? and uh, <laughs> no, no bone movies. I always thought was really funny. Great. Yeah, yeah favorite, I love. I love all favorite topic things. of mine. So no bone movies. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and then you know and that's it, man. Yeah, that's that's the Blizzard of Oz. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you guys later. That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio weekly podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android for one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews with artists, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Take care.